Hey, this is Sean Jensen, the lead pastor here at Vail Church, and I'm so excited you chose to check out this message. My prayer is that this message wouldn't just be full of information, but that the Holy Spirit would produce transformation in your life. So wherever and however you're listening today, lean in and enjoy the message. All right, Vail, listen, I am super excited to introduce you to a special guest, but before I do, I gotta just tell you why this is so important to me and why I'm excited about it. So if you're new to our church, you may not know this, but I was in the season of transitioning as the newly pastor here at Vail, and we've been through that journey together. And so when Pastor Ted mentioned that he was transitioning on, they did their due diligence to make sure that the weekend was covered when it came to messages and preaching, if it was from the teaching team, if it was pastors coming in, and they had this set until the new year, because sometimes the search process can take that long. By God's grace, he was working in all of that. And so when I stepped in as the newly pastor, I was able to look at the calendar for that time and was able to readjust some things and prepare as I stepped into this new role. And so thank you for your grace with that and all those things. So when I was looking through the weekend, I saw this weekend and I was like, I am not touching that weekend. And you're gonna find out real soon why, because the person who is here has a huge heart. And I know this because I have pastors who are actually connected with these people. And uh, Lori Wilhite is here, and I'm gonna introduce you in a second. And I have found out that her and her husband are the same people behind closed doors as they are in front of closed doors. And that's a huge thing for our church. She was here at Sisterhood on Friday night. I don't know if you got to come to Sisterhood. Was it awesome? If you missed it, you missed it. Be at the next one. It's gonna be good, but Lori and her husband are serving in Las Vegas at Central Church. She has a ministry called Leading and Loving It, where she is actually empowering and encouraging women in ministry. My wife has been so impacted by her ministry. It's been so helpful for us. And so I don't wanna wait any longer or take any more of her time, but can we give her a veil welcome today? Can we welcome Lori Wilhite to the stage right now? Step one, get the microphone. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys, for letting me be here this weekend. We did have an incredible time on Friday um, at Sisterhood. It was amazing, and I'm so, I'm so excited to get to be here with you guys for the weekend. But let me just take a moment and just honor your pastor. Thank you so much for just giving me the privilege of getting to be here But I remember so clearly 20 years ago when my husband and I packed up a U-Haul, our two-year-old, and a very pregnant version of me, and we headed across the desert to Las Vegas, and we were excited, and we were terrified, and everything in between, but we knew God was calling us, and so our job was to obey him above everything else. And you, Vail Church, have been, have a history of being under leadership that obeys God above everything else. And now God has gifted you leaders who do the same thing. It's really incredible. That's why I'm so excited about the future of your church. So it's so great to get to be here with you guys. I am from Las Vegas. I bring you greetings from Vegas. There are churches in Vegas. We should start there. (laughs) My husband and I are just two little Texas kids who God called on mission to Vegas. Um, It's you know, it's normal till it's not, you know what I mean? And it is a great place to get to serve God. A lot of people call it Sin City. We call it Grace City because the Bible says wherever sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And so it's a privilege to get to be there. I brought a picture of my family so that you can see. That cute little nugget on the right there is our oldest, our 23-year-old daughter, Emma, who has never met a song she didn't like and is graduating from college in one month. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, 
We made that last tuition payment. Parents, we did it. And then over on the left is her baby brother, her little brother, who has never met a video game he didn't like. And he is our gentle giant at 6'5 and is awesome. And then that very cute guy is my husband, my in-house comedian, my walking Bible concordance, my best cheerleader, my best friend, my pastor, my husband, Judd. And we've been married 27 years. And if you listen to Caleb, you would recognize his voice because for the last, I think, about 12 years, he has done the Minute of Encouragement on Caleb. And so that is my family uh, coming to you from Vegas. So I'm so excited to get to be here with you. A while ago, I was at a conference in Orlando, and as we were packing up and getting ready to go, the news started talking about Hurricane Ian, which was on its way. And we just kept thinking, surely, surely they're going to cancel this conference, except it just kept going, and we kept going. We thought, okay, we got on a plane, we flew to Orlando, and we were on our way to the rental car place. They came on the bus and said, the airport is gonna be closing tomorrow. Well, that was not exciting news for me. I didn't want to go through a hurricane. I was not super excited about it. I kept thinking, surely they're gonna cancel this. We'll hop back to Vegas. No, they were not gonna cancel the conference. We got to the hotel. They were sandbagging the doors to the hotel. Still, they didn't cancel the conference. So we knew I was gonna be speaking that night, and we decided, as soon as I'm done, we gotta get out of here. We got to get to safety. And so we started making plans. Now, all of our friends had decided they were going to go north and drive to Atlanta or something like that to be able to get out of the path of the hurricane. We called our friends in South Florida who said, that's crazy. There will be no hotels. There will be no food. You're going to run out of gas. Don't go north. You need to go south into the storm. Now, we love our friends. But we weren't so sure. So I said my last word when I talked. We ran out of there, got in the car. And when we got on the freeway, the north side was packed, like not moving at all. South side, no problemo. We were the only dummies who were on the road trying to go south. And I thought, well, we've got quite a road trip ahead of us. So I started getting on the radio. I was going to find something good to listen to. And I found Delilah. Who remembers Delilah. Yes, I honestly didn't know she was alive still. And so I was super excited about it. For the young people in the room, Delilah is this call-in radio show that kind of talks about love found and love lost. And it's easy listening kind of music, which I used to think was silly. But now I've reached the age where all the music is from the 80s and 90s, which meant I knew every single word to every single song. And my husband got the concert of his life. I'm singing Debbie Gibson. I'm singing Wilson Phillips, singing Whitney Houston. It was amazing. And at first it just started to drizzle. And then it started to downpour. And we live in Vegas where our annual rainfall is four inches. And it was raining like four inches a minute. We could not see the end of the hood of our car. And we have forgotten at this point how to even drive in the rain. And so it was getting a little crazy. So what do you do when you can't see and you're driving? First, you turn down the radio. 
obviously, right? So Delilah had to go. We had to get her out of the way. Secondly, we still couldn't see, so we started squinting because if you close half your eyes, surely you can see better. At one point, my husband took his glasses off, and I said, what are you doing? And he goes, I can't see with them on. I said, you can't see with them off. Put them back on. Um, At one point, the emergency notifications went off on our phone. Tornado warning, tornado spotted in your area. If you're on the road, find shelter immediately. (laughs) So I'm in panic mode. Judd and I are both born and raised in West Texas. We have seen our share of tornadoes. Now, Judd's family grew grew up in the country where you stand in your yard and watch the tornadoes. I know you, some of you are in here. Raise your hand if you're, you stand in your yard. You brave souls. I grew up in town where my mom would shove us into the tiny coat closet in the center of our house, and then she would pray Jesus over us, believing that we weren't gonna get sucked up into the sky. And I really wanted someone to stuff me in a coat closet because I have seen Twister guys. And I just expected at any second for cows to be flying, semi-trucks to be going up. And so I got on my phone. I'm trying to find a place to go to safety. And I found a motel. Now, we are in the middle of nowhere, Florida. And my husband's response was, I'm going to need to see those Yelp reviews. (laughs) And I was like, are you serious right now? So I'm showing him the photos (laughs) of the hotel. And he goes, babe, that looks like the Bates Motel. And you're going to get us killed by a serial killer. And we're going to take our chances with the tornadoes. So we did. And finally, we got down to Miami, uh, got to our friend's house. And it just felt like such a breakthrough. We had been so stressed out, so overwhelmed, that we finally had this breakthrough to safety and breakthrough to security and breakthrough to rest. Sometimes you just need a breakthrough. Have you ever had a time in your life where you felt like you were driving into the storm? Maybe what starts as a little drizzle all of a sudden becomes a downpour in your life. Or the wind starts whipping around or tornadoes start popping up and life feels crazy. And what you need more than anything is a breakthrough in your life. Some kind of breakthrough to peace a breakthrough to hope. Maybe you need a kind of breakthrough. Maybe you have been stuck in a job and it's fine, you're going through the motions, but you just don't feel very purpose-filled in it and you need a breakthrough in your calling or maybe your marriage is hurting and you wish you were like partners but you're kind of more like roommates and you need a breakthrough in your family or maybe your kids are really struggling right now. And you're begging God for a breakthrough in their hearts. Or maybe your friends have moved. Or maybe you're new around here and you could just use a friend so badly and you need a breakthrough in your relationships. I have great news for you today. We serve a God who is the Lord of the breakthrough. And that's what we're going to talk about today. If we want to have a breakthrough in our lives first... We have to break up with the past. We have to break up with the past. We're gonna look at a story found in 2 Samuel chapter five. Let me kind of lay the groundwork for you. This is a story about David. 
He has just become king of Israel. He has been appointed king. This is many, many, many years after Samuel showed up at his dad's house and anointed him to be the future king. And then all this time, God has been preparing him and growing him and stretching him, getting him ready to be the king of Israel. And now he is officially the king. And you would think everything should be going great in David's life now. Now he's finally stepped in to his position. He has stepped into the appointment that God has had for him. But that isn't what happens. Let's look at it in 2 Samuel 5, starting in verse 17. Now when we get down to this bold-faced word, at my church, we yell that out. One, it helps everyone stay awake. Two, this is God's word. This is the Bible. This is the Holy Scripture. We don't want to just read it. We want to interact with it and let it get from our heads all the way down into our hearts. So when we get there with gusto, are we ready? When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed, what? Of Israel. They mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming. So he went into the stronghold. David has a new position in his life. And when you get into a new position, you get new pressure. With position comes pressure. With the position of parent, it comes with pressure. Can I get an amen? Right? When you have the position of a boss, it comes with pressure. When you have the position of a caretaker, it comes with pressure. When you have the position of an employee, it comes with pressure. Anytime you step into a position, it's going to come with pressure. And sometimes we can be tempted to look at other people's positions and want to be the same, have their position, but we don't know the pressure that they have endured to be in that position. And if we knew, we might not sign up for it. So when you walk into your purpose, pressure happens. When you step into your appointing, attack will happen. And that's exactly what has happened here. The enemy has mobilized his forces, and he does it in our lives too. He mobilizes his forces to keep us from making an impact, to stop us from making a difference, to keep us from reaching people for Jesus, to keep us from finding strength and freedom and joy in who he has created us to be and what he's created us to do. That's what happens when we step in to our purpose. So David has this old enemy from the past, the Philistines. The Philistines have a long history of not getting along with Israel. And at this time, actually just before this story takes place, Israel and, uh, has been at war with the Philistines, but the Philistines were okay with David. They were on pretty friendly terms because they hated Israel and they hated Israel's king who was Saul, but Saul had an enemy and that's David. So for the Philistines, The enemy of our enemy is our friend. So he had been on pretty friendly terms with them. But now he has stepped in to his appointing as the king of Israel and their friendship is withdrawn. They take it back. Because as long as David was going where they wanted him to go, they would be his friends. As long as he was doing what they wanted him to do, he would be their friends. But the second he stepped into what God was asking him to do as the king, that's when they withdrew their friendship. Have you ever had someone in your life 
that you thought was your friend before your position changed. Maybe you had some success in your life and your friends should have been celebrating with you, but instead they were criticizing you. Or maybe you were called by God to lead your business in a certain direction and then you had a new vision, a fresh vision for what you were supposed to do and as you turned that corner and started to lead in a different direction, you had friends that should have been the first to cheer you on but instead they jumped on board with all of your critics. Or maybe you're called to take on a new challenge, a new idea, something new for the kingdom of God and you should have had these people have your back, lift you up And instead, it's just the opposite. They've withdrawn their friendship from you. Have you ever had somebody in your life that was your friend until your position changed? 27 years ago, um, when Judd and I were dating, people were not lining up to tell me how great it was that I was gonna marry a pastor. And all the friends that I had grown up with pulled me aside individually and tried to talk me out of marrying Judd. It wasn't anything about him. They loved him. He's very lovable. He's amazing. But they were like, are you kidding? Do you know yourself? You should not be a pastor's wife. This is crazy. And they tried to talk me out of it. And as I continued to date him and move forward toward our engagement, they withdrew their friendship from me and completely cut ties with me. I had two pastors who called me into their office And uh, this was right around the time we got engaged. And one of them said, Lori, your personality will not fit the role of a pastor's wife. And what I think he meant was, I think if I'm being my most generous self, I think he didn't want me to change who I was for a role. And I appreciated that but I loved this guy. I felt very called to marry him. And so I felt like, what is God doing? That he would take me, who apparently is a terrible fit, to be a pastor's wife. Why would I be put in this position? I had another pastor bring me in and say, Lori, you are kind of a lot. And he is right. (laughs) And you're gonna need to learn how to get in the background and get out of sight if you're going to be a pastor's wife. Otherwise, your too muchness is gonna damage your husband and it's gonna damage his ministry. Now, I would love to tell you, after all of that, that I held strong, I stepped into my calling with confidence. Now, I will say I did not let it deter me from marrying Judd because I'm, no, I'm, like I'm smart, guys. And so I did that. But I also let it destroy me in a lot of ways. And so I started a little list, like a physical list, that I would write down anything that I thought was a weakness or a failure or personality trait that I would need to figure out how I could change so that I could fit into the position that I had been called to. And it took me a lot of time and a lot of struggle to find my way out of that. I had honestly built myself a tiny little prison that I was trying to live in and be in. And I had this, probably one of the most impactful moments of my life in the TSA line at the Miami airport. 
and I was standing in line, and I was talking to a friend, and I was having this moment of like, I, I, I just don't know if I can be myself. What if it's not good enough? I just, what if I don't know enough? Like, what if someone asks me something about the Bible and I don't know it? Like, what if God made a mistake with me? And she stood there in the line and she put her bags down and in the TSA line, put her hands on my shoulders and she said, I have one question for you. Do you believe God's sovereign? And that was a very easy church answer. I was like, yes, I think God knows what he's doing. I think he's in control. The answer is yes. And then she said that I have to have a follow-up question. Do you think God knew what he was doing when he chose you to be Judd's wife? Do you believe God knew what he was doing when he chose you to be the pastor's wife of your church? Do you think God knew what he was doing when he chose you to be the mom of Emma and Ethan? The biggest question is, do you actually believe in your own life that God is sovereign and that he knows what he's doing? And that I was not quick to answer. And I literally told her, I'm gonna think about it. And it took me two very long weeks of wrestling all of those old voices that I had bouncing around my head. I knew if I was gonna have a breakthrough in my purpose and a breakthrough in my life, I had to break up with the past. I had to break up with all of that fear and break up with all of that insecurity and break up with all of those voices that echoed in my mind. And I gotta think in a room this size, I'm not the only person that has had whispers in my mind that I've struggled with. Maybe it's the voice of a parent or a coach, and in your head you hear you're not good enough. You just can't make it. You're not smart enough. You're not talented enough. Or maybe it's your own voice in your mind that says, I've made too many mistakes. I'm too big of a mess. How could God ever use me? If we want to have a breakthrough in our lives, we have to break up with the past, break up with those voices, silence those voices, and let God's voice be the loudest in our lives so that we can have a breakthrough. So first, we have to break up with the past. Secondly, we have to break in to God's plan. We have to break into God's plan. Um, Here, let's look back at 2 Samuel Five, starting in 18, it says the Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So David what? David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. Now David was a powerful warrior with a powerful army who won powerful victories. But our breakthrough isn't dependent on our power. It is dependent on our prayers. So here's David with all of the human power that he has, but he knows that is not enough. He has to go to God in prayer because we don't want to engage in the battle in front of us without knowing that God is with us and knowing his plan. So David asked the Lord for direction and uh, God promises victory. David goes out, he fights them, they win. Yay, David! He's got his breakthrough, he's got the victory, and you would think, that's it. The story's over, but it's not. Here's what it says, starting in verse 22. But after a while, the Philistines returned and again again spread out across the valley of Rephaim. 
It's the same battle with the same enemy in the same spot. Have you ever felt like you're fighting the same battle with the same enemy in the same spot? Maybe it's the same weariness, the same loneliness, the same discouragement. And here's the truth. You and I can face the same battle with the same enemy in the same spot, but there's a different strategy. And what David does when he has the same enemies, he doesn't depend on the strategy that God had told him before. He goes back to him again, because we don't want to fight today's battle with yesterday's plan. We want to know what God is leading us to do today. So here's what it says, starting in verse 23. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. Do not attack them straight on. So what you did last time, I don't want you to do this time. The Lord replied, instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. Now, this is so good. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, be on alert. Some translations say move quickly. That will be the signal that the Lord is what? One more time. Moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. That scripture doesn't say, I know you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. I know you're carrying a lot. So you know what? Why don't you just put your head down and look at the grass? And when I start to stir the grass, then you'll know I'm moving and you can join me. It also doesn't say, why don't you look out at the horizon line? And yeah, I know there's a lot of distractions in the way, and gosh, I hope you can find the signal that I'm going to give you, but try really hard, and then when you see me, I'm going to have you join me. That verse says, I want you to lift your perspective up to the heavens, to the tops of the trees, and that's how you'll see I'm moving. I want you to lift your perspective above your fear, above your hurt, above your insecurity, above all the things that are trying to hold you back, and then find me moving, and then quickly join me and get with me. When we wait, and Bishop Jakes says that waiting is a war strategy, because can you imagine going out ahead of the Lord? So when we wait, when we wait on God to move, that's when we see a breakthrough. Maybe when you hear him marching in your work life, get ready to quickly join him. When you feel God advancing in your church, move quickly. When you see him moving in the hearts of your kids, move quickly. When you feel him moving in your own heart and life, move quickly to join him in the battle. Here's the deal. God is moving all around us. All around us. We have to have the eyes and the ear, the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the perspective to take it in and see what he's doing. And when we see it, we need to be quick to act and join him. That's how we see breakthrough in our lives. So first, we break up from the past. Secondly, we uh, break in with his plan. And third, we're gonna break through to victory. Here's what the Bible says, 2 Samuel 5, I think starting in 20. says, so David went to Belperazim, and there he defeated the Philistines. He said, the Lord has what? 
Oh, that's a good one. Give it to me one more time. Broken through my enemies like a flood. That's really incredible. And so that place is called Baal Perizim. If you translate that Hebrew phrase, Baal Perizim, it means Lord of the breakthrough. So when you look at your neighbor and tell them, he is Lord of the breakthrough. Now look at your other neighbor who was not your favorite the first time. And tell them, he is Lord of the breakthrough. A little over two decades ago, I really hit like the darkest time in my life. I had carried all of those voices and all that insecurity for about 10 years. And I just hit this breaking point. And I remember so clearly one day, I, just, I woke up and I just felt like the lights had gone out in my life. And I was desperate to try to get the light back on, but I could not, I couldn't figure out how to do it. I felt like I was groping around looking for a light switch that wasn't there. And for two years, I was in this dark, deep depression. And by, thanks to a counselor, my incredible husband and the sheer mercy of Jesus, I was able to kind of have a breakthrough in my life. And that was the story I told for a very long time, how God had rescued me from the thing I used to struggle with, how he had saved me from depression, how he had rescued me out of that darkness. And I just told that story for many, many years. And then about 18 months ago, we've been going really hard um, we didn't have a lot of margin in our lives. We were tired. I don't remember being as tired as we were in that season. And I woke up one morning and thought, I don't think I can get out of bed today. And I remember sitting in like our living room and it was completely dark and all the windows were closed and it was silent and my husband walked through and I know both of us had that moment of, oh my gosh, we're here again. And he was scared and I was terrified because I remembered very clearly what it felt like. And honestly, I did not think I could do it for two more years. And so I would just sit with the Lord and my Bible and I knew that it had been written for me. I knew it was God talking to me. And I had days where I had enough energy to read the word and be encouraged by it. Um, and then I had days that I didn't have the energy for it. So I would open it and I would put it on my chest and pray that the Lord would just soak it in there, osmosis style, because that's what I had the energy for. And what I realized in that moment, in that season, was that we had been so busy doing, so busy doing, 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 doing for God, that I had missed dwelling with God. And I had to get back to just dwelling with him, being with him, letting him fill me back up, letting him bring victory back into my life. And he did that. And I wish I could say he just flipped the lights back on, but he didn't. It was more like he grabbed hold of a dimmer switch and just little bit by little bit, he turned the lights back on. That's how my breakthrough came. And then as the Lord would have it, <laughs> I got the privilege of writing a Bible study on Philippians about chasing happy in our lives because that's what I had been doing. I've been just chasing happy. And what I discovered is that when you chase God and the things of God, 
then you discover the happiness that you've been looking for all along. So I don't know what breakthrough you need in your life. I don't know what breakthrough you need in your family, in your workspace, in your faith. But I do know that we serve the Lord of the breakthrough. My prayer for you is that he will break through in your life with joy, break through with peace, break through with his mercy, break through with his safety, break through with his forgiveness, break through with his love, because he is Lord of the breakthrough. Let me pray for you. God, we are ready for a breakthrough, a breakthrough in our lives, in our hearts, in our faith. God, I pray that you help us break up with just our past, with all of those old voices that are in our heads. Just help us turn down that volume and turn the volume of your voice up high so that we can get that breakthrough. God, I pray that you show us your plan. Help us to wait patiently for you to not dive into a battle without you and to lift our perspective up above all of the things that are in our way, all of the distractions, all of the noise, God. I pray that you lift our perspective to where you're moving. And God, I just pray for a breakthrough of victory. For everybody in this room, everyone watching online, God, I pray that you move in mighty, powerful ways and break through. It's in your son's name. Amen. We hope this message challenged you, encouraged you, and most of all, brought you closer to a loving God who wants nothing but the best for you. If you have any questions about taking next steps in your faith journey, simply text NEXT to 309-777-0677. Everyone has a next step, and here at Vail, we would love to walk alongside you. If this message was impactful to you, we encourage you to share it. To stay connected to everything Vail Church, feel free to subscribe, visit our website at vail.church, and follow our socials on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, for all of those who call Vail Church home, let's remember, worship faithfully, connect intentionally, give generously, and serve sacrificially. We'll see you next week.